Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, an award-winning show dedicated to helping contractors generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. Powered by Rival Digital. Tune in each week to learn how other business owners and industry professionals across the country are staying ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. So, are you ready to dominate your marketing, get a grip on your operations, and build the business you've always dreamed of? Join your host, Eric Thomas, and get a fresh perspective on what it takes to create a world-class contracting business. The best idea wins. Now, here's Eric Thomas. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, where we believe the best idea wins. We're here to help you generate lots of good ideas. And to do so, we have to bring on smart people like my good friend TJ to generate lots of good ideas for us so that we can generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. That's the goal, right? And so on this show, we're bringing on smart people like TJ. We're going to talk about all the different ways you can do that. Um, But before I do that, I think by the time this episode airs, we'll be getting pretty close to the holiday season. We're in the holiday season, full swing. So I want to just go ahead and wish a warm and and happy holiday to you out there, You know, whatever you celebrate. I just hope that you have a great holiday season. Hope you're blessed. Hope you're ready for 2023. And if you're listening to this and you're not, well, then you're about to get punched in the gut. So, (laughs) TJ, welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you? Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me back. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing, doing really fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm getting tired, right? This, uh, this is a busy, busy time of the year. So I'm excited for, uh, for winding down a little bit. Um, the, I think the week before Christmas, the 19th will be my first week, not traveling since like the second week of August. Wow. But you know, that's just the, that's the nature of this time of year, right? It's the time for planning and preparing and reflecting you know not you know planning is great and stuff but we got to be able to reflect too right you got to be able to look back and see what worked this year what didn't work this year and what are we going to do about it yeah amen i mean and that and that's the one thing where you know it's the the old adage what is it if you if you fail to plan you're planning to fail um and a lot of people don't really like hearing that or what have you, or they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, we plan. We, we, we have a budget. And then I look at it and they're like, I'm like, all right, well, what's your budget? Well, we want to do like 20% more than last year. I was like, all right, perfect. How's that going to work out? We're just going to do 20% more than last year. I was like, based on what? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's one of those things where they, they might have some revenue goals or targets, but that's not a budget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, what are we going to spend when, how are we going to spend it? What are the areas we're going to get better? Things like that. So it, it is time of year for that. I'm actually in uh, South Carolina right now at the Casa de Pastel um, here in uh, in a beautiful uh, suburb of uh, Charleston. And uh, we're just finalizing their 2023 budget. And uh, they're going to kill it. I mean, these like if you could pick the perfect student, customer, client, whatever you want to call it, business owner, um, if you could, if you could blueprint what a business owner should look like, it, it's this couple. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, there will definitely be some some future stuff. If you follow me on social media, you'll definitely be seeing more stuff along this topic here in a, in a short while. Once their you know their website and everything gets launched, 
Uh, so that's really exciting. So, so TJ, before we, you know, really dig into the meat and potatoes here, why don't you go ahead, uh, reintroduce yourself for our listeners who may not have heard you on the first time and then uh, tell them a little bit more about Flywheel. Yeah, absolutely. So TJ Hartman, I've been in the home service trade since uh, late 1994. October 4th, 1994 was day one. I started in the trades in oil, as an oil burner apprentice and kind of worked my way up through um, over the course of a 21-year trade side career. So pretty much everything on the trade side I've, I, I've done, screwed up, learned, done better, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, um, from being a frontline team member to being an owner to being a general manager and an operator. Um, and then in 2015, I transitioned over to the coaching and training side, which is where I've been ever since. And then this year, I uh, decided it was time to just um, do something different, I- I'm going to say, because, you know, the coaching and training space, it's, it's crowded, right? There's, there's no shortage of folks. But I believe it's still underserved. Yeah. And so I just wanted to be different. And so we launched Flywheel this year, um, the Flywheel Coaching Group. We have a, a closed Facebook page, um, Flywheel Coaching for Home Services, creating momentum if you want to try and check it out. Um, but really what we are is we are a coaching and training organization. We are not a best practice group. Um, we are not the, the normal you know, cookie cutter all one size fits all. Um, we take the time to get to know our clients. We get to know their their goals, what their team really looking for, um, and then help them where they're at. I do have some foundational things that we'll take folks through, right? So, someone that gets started with us, there's there's going to be five things that we're gonna that we're gonna make sure are in place and and done well before we do anything else. But after we get those five things done, and I call it the foundational five, um, then we look into where does the business need help today tomorrow in the future um, and go from there. And so, you know, we're growing, we're, we're continuing to add team members, um, add tools and resources and things of that nature. And uh, it's just, it's been great. Um, don't really have any hopes or dreams or aspirations to become some giant conglomerate, but uh, do want to kind of be the gold standard of what a coaching relationship should look like. Yeah. And I think that's so important because like you mentioned, there is no shortage of gurus and uh, the best next thing and these shiny objects that come along, they come and go, you know, they're all over the internet. Everyone's, you know, signing up and doing all this stuff. And then you see three months later, the horror stories come out. Don't do this. We got scammed. We got ripped off, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So I do, I think it's important for, you know, for coaches and for, vendor partners, like your marketing agency and your price book company, all that stuff. Uh, it's important to make sure that you're with a company that has, you know, your best interests at heart. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's the thing is, is, is getting away from just buying stuff from someone willy nilly and, and really looking for people that are going to partner with you in your business and not from an equity standpoint, but from an investment of time, effort, energy, and care. And, uh, and I think that's what we do and we do well here. I know that's what you do well. Um, I think that's why we get, get along so well um, and and just rock and roll from there. Yeah. So let's talk about planning. You know, I think I'm a huge proponent of planning. Like if they're and, – and there's different strokes for different folks. Some people like to wing it. Some people like to pivot quick, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But me personally, I'm just wired where there's got to be a plan. And if the plan fails, that's okay. But at least there was something for us to follow. 
so let's just talk about planning in the trades for your business because so many contractors, like we had mentioned, you know, before recording, um, there's the ones that plan the, you know, before the year starts. And we see it, like you're saying, you've been busy traveling from August until now. You see them planning August, September, October, November, planning for 2023. And then we see a huge uptick in contractors around April and early into May who are like scrambling because they're like, oh, crap, I didn't get my ducks in a row for the summer. And here's the summer. And now we got to put fires out and scramble. So let's just talk about planning for a minute. What does that look like to you as far as like how to properly plan for the next year? I mean, so first and foremost is actually having data to use, right? So if you're a startup, you want to look at some industry KPIs. You want to look at what's predictable, what's normal, you know, what's realistic. If you're someone who's been in business for two, three, four years, it doesn't need to be 20. You can look at historical data and say, what have we done in the past? What's our seasonality, um, growth, projections, things like that. And so... You know, having that data to be able to, to, to go to and pull is important. It also highlights what you're not paying attention to, what you're not keeping track of, so that in the following year or the year to come, you can put things in place to make sure you do have visibility to those numbers, right? Um, things like how many, how many incoming phone calls did we have? And how many of those did we book, you know, by department? Mm-hmm. If you don't have that information, it's really hard to forecast some stuff. Um, and so really dialing in what it is you're going to pay attention to, why you're paying attention to it. And if you're not, what do you have to put in place to be able to be able to do it and do it more successfully? Right. So that's one thing. Another thing is there's two ways to build budgets, right? There's the old school way, which I'm going to just beat up on and I'm not really sorry about it, but the old school way is this. It's like, Hey, we want to grow by 20% this year. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to run 20% more calls. We're going to do this. We're going to spend this much more in marketing. The problem with that is revenue grows, profit doesn't. Because all of your expenses increased at the same rate as whatever your growth was. So whatever your profitability was, if you perform at the exact same capabilities and levels the year before, your profit's going to be the same. If you perform at a lesser level in anywhere, your revenue grows, but your profit goes down. Mm. So that's the old way. I don't teach that. What I teach is let's look at historical data. Let's see what we've done in the past. Yes, growth is important, but what's more important is profit. And so what I want to look at is once we see that historical data laid out for us, what are we going to do better or different? Are we going to, book more calls? Are we going to convert more of the calls that we run as a team? Are we going to have a higher average sale, not average ticket? This is another area like we've all been brainwashed in the trades like, oh, what's your average ticket? Well, guess what? Your average ticket doesn't mean a damn thing. Because if I have a $500 average ticket, but it came because I sold $5,000 on my first call and I struck out on the next nine, I can look at that $500 average ticket and go, hey, Joey's doing really well. But then I dig in and I look and go, well, Joey's got 5,000 in sales and he's got a $5,000 average sale and he ran 10 calls. Joey sucks. Yeah. Right. And so 
what are the things we're looking at, right? So I'm, I'm probably one of the only coaches in the space that teaches to really start looking at behavioral metrics, right? Stop looking at the result, total sales, average ticket, like that stuff. Yes, it's important, but it's not going to get you there because it's the result. You can't manage that. You can only manage the behaviors that drive the result. So you want to start paying attention to your conversion rate. You want to start paying attention to options per opportunity, tasks per call, average sale, things you can influence. And if you influence one or two or three of those, by default, guess what happens to your sales, Eric? Go up. Right? They go up and they go up in a predictable manner where you can understand why. And they go up without increasing your overhead. Yeah. So, you know, last year I had the pleasure um, of doing this, you know, budget workshop. It was the second time that I did it, but it was the first time on that scale. And so last year I did it. I had the pleasure of having Jason Bueller there from Bueller Heating and Air. Um, stay cooler with Bueller, right? <laughs> and, uh, and Jason at first was pretty skeptical. But by the end of it, he was like, holy crap, I, I, I really thought we were doing great. Well, guess what? Here we are 12 months later, and I, I run into Jason at, at one of the recent events. And I said, hey, man, how did the budget workshop plan out for you? Like, how did it result? And he, he told me, he says flat out, he goes, bro, we just had our best year we've ever had, both in revenue and in profit. He's like, I never would have thought that was possible. He goes, oh, and by the way, I didn't hire half the people I thought I was going to need to. Yeah. So that's the power of proper planning. Yeah. Yeah. You hit on a lot of good stuff there. Cause I, I think that it, it's natural to have a mindset of if I want to grow by 20%, well then I need to do 20% more. But so many people don't even, they don't think about the bottom line. It's like you could do 20% more, but you're still losing your ass at the bottom line. And you're just still going to lose your ass next year. You're just going to have more headache, more overhead, more liability, <laughs> <laughs> more problems. So, no, I think that's that's all really, really good advice. Sure. Yeah, and I mean, the other the other side about it is this: is is, is if I'm going to have a, go from having a five million dollar business to having a ten million dollar business, I want to have the ten million dollars worth of profit to go with it for the additional headaches. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the bigger the business, the bigger the problems. Yeah, right. Like. And and maybe not bigger in, in overall size, but bigger in volume, right? They happen more frequently. Um, and then the other side of it is sometimes when we calculate like, hey, I want to grow by 20% or 30% or whatever. But then we just simply focus on one or two metrics that we're going to improve. What we realize is that we were selling ourselves short by picking 20%. Yeah. Because lo and behold, improving those one or two metrics by five points, 10 points, all of a sudden now we're 30%, 40% better, you know, more revenue. So I just like to approach it from a different perspective. And so, you know, this year I think we've built, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 budgets um, collectively with, with different folks. And there's still some folks that haven't built it. I got another one to build next week. And then I got one more to build before the end of the year, the week after that. Um but I'm really sad, much like you, by the number of people that are choosing not to. Mm-hmm. Because you and I both know what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to call you in April for marketing. <laughs> they're going to call me in April or May for, for coaching and need it right now before June. Yeah. And it's not going to be done. 
in time to make a difference. Yep. And that's something that, you know, if you're, if you're a client of ours, you know that we've got all of our annual marketing planning happening now because you got to plan everything really. You need to plan your budget, yep. plan your marketing. You need to, and, the, and like we said earlier, the, the marketing plan can change. The specials and promotions can change, but we need to have a plan. We're planning. We, we started last week and it's, it's for the full year. And the ones that historically have part, partook, partaken, the ones who have opted into accepting the shooting have hit their goals. Yep. And the ones that, you know, were weren't able to were upset that they didn't hit their goal, their goals for the business. But it's there there's gotta be a plan. And, and there's no coincidence that the ones that have a plan and meet with us to plan and meet with you to plan and meet with whoever it is to plan, that they're more likely to hit their goal. Yeah. I'm I don't know what your experience is with this, but I'll share mine. So this is the third year that I'm helping folks with budgeting, right? On a, on a, on a really intense scale, right? Because that's the other thing. The budget workshop that I teach, it's a week long. And there is no way around it. Like everybody's like, well, that's a really long time. Mm-hmm. But if you've never done it this way before, I, I've tried to do it in less time. And, and we get to the end and people don't have what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So when it's in that group setting, it has to, it has to take a week, but here's what I've noticed in the three years I've been doing it. No one has ever gone down in profit mm-hmm. from one year to the next. Who's been a part of that budget planning. Yeah. Well, even like that one week of planning. Yeah. That's a lot of time. You know what else is a lot of time? Three months of regret between January through March of, oh, crap, June's coming, and I don't have the technicians I need. We don't have the training we need. We don't have the marketing we need. So that three months becomes painful, or and you could have just done a week of sitting down and crunching out the numbers and figuring stuff out. Or we get, look, in fairness for you, right, as a digital marketer, we get to the months where we expect to be super busy and we're not. And so now what do we do? We pick up the phone and we start calling and screaming at our digital marketer that they're doing a terrible job. Well, did you look at the fact that your booking rate is 55% or 60%? Did you look at the fact that you didn't plan to spend more in slow months than you did in busy months? Like, Did you plan any of these things out or you set it and forget it where my marketing dollars are being spent the same time way in June as they are in February. Cause if they are, you need your head examined, right? Like I have to actively go find people through different means in February. Cause that's just the month that I don't know. I've uncovered in, in what I've seen, especially in the HVAC space. Like it doesn't matter where you live in the United States. February sucks. Mm-hmm. And if you're not spending significantly more marketing dollars in February, through multiple metrics, multiple means and mediums, then you can't bitch about the fact that you don't have any work to do in February. Yeah. For the record, TJ said it, not me. <laughs> you get me in trouble if I say it. I was kidding. No, I, it, it just irritates me, yeah. right? Like, oh, I don't have any calls. And then we get into like the really simple stuff. Like, all right, well, show me photos that you're from the calls your technicians ran 
let's see, did they put a sticker on every single piece of equipment that they touched? It, all the water heaters have stickers. Do all the pa electrical panels have stickers? Do you know? Are there valve tags on things? Or did you do clover leafing of door hangers when you got done? Did you ask for referrals? Do you have a referral program? Are like all these different things that cost damn near nothing? And I'm like, well, no, we didn't do that. And I'm like, so you want to call and yell at your digital marketer because he's not making the phone ring. But he can only make the phone ring when there's actually search volume on Google. Mm -hmm. He can't magically set up a bat signal that ABC Heating and Cooling needs somebody to go to Google and look for something to make them go find their keyboard and type in HVAC. Like, that doesn't happen. So as that volume isn't there, you better be doing things to get in front of people, rehashing, following up on stuff that you had before. Here's a thought pre-sell work for the slow season while you're in the busy season. Yeah. All these different things that you're able to do to make sure that you carry it through. And I get like, don't excuse my passion for anger. I'm not upset with anybody, but it, you can't get upset about the results you don't get from the work you don't do. And you certainly can't go back to your digital marketer and tell them that they're doing a terrible job when you're not doing your part. Yeah. That's good stuff. You know, this is, uh, speaking of putting stickers on stuff, here's a free idea for those listening out here. This is, um, this is not a, a lead generator. So don't go doing this and say, Eric, I didn't get any calls immediately. This is a, <laughs> this is a long-term play, but I've heard tremendous success from it. And that is get super tight with as many realtors as you can offer a free inspection before a home closes and then go in there and slap your stickers on all that junk, even if you didn't install it, and just say, for service and repairs, call my company. Put your sticker on it somewhere on there. Even if there's another sticker, put it on there. And then when the homeowner moves in, they're going to think, oh, no, my furnace isn't working. I need to call this company. That might get you in trouble. I don't know. If it gets you in trouble, you didn't hear it from me. But if it makes you a lot of money, you heard it from me. <laughs> so, Eric, I'm going to add one little thing to that. If your stickers don't have a little disclaimer or a stop sign on them that says, stop, this unit may be under warranty by such and such company, serviced by others, voids warranty. You probably want to add that to your sticker. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Um, yeah. So planning, planning, marketing, planning your budget. What does that look like? What does what does planning a budget look like? Just a high level when you when you show up for an on site for a budget planning meeting. What's that look like? There's a there's there's a lot of tears. I usually get yelled at. I get <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean it's look. There's nothing sexy about it, and I think that's the reason why it's hard for people to want to spend money on it. Right? I don't I don't do the whole like let's go rent a yacht or a mansion or because the budget workshop or or even one-on-one -on -one budget building like right now i'm sitting at a, at a table mm -hmm. and this is where we've spent three days yeah and it's three days of doing math that sucks it's three days of having conversations that most people don't want to have yeah and not only is it building the budget but then it's saying okay look this is what we're saying about the budget now what are the systems and processes that need to get put in place to bring this thing to life to make it a reality or what are the things that we're currently doing that we need to stop wasting time on to allow for this to happen? So that's a whole nother 
piece that comes from it. It's looking at somebody's financial statements and saying, hey, your financial statement is is okay if I'm an accountant, but it sucks if I'm trying to make business decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a perfect example of something that I see all the time, like all the time, is we have a install department, we have a service department, we have a maintenance department, and maybe we have another trade like plumbing or electric. But when I go to look at your cost of goods sold, I have a thing that says materials, I have a thing that says labor, and I have something that says permits. Which came where? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not broken out. Well, makes it really hard to build a budget. Yeah. So so whatever divisions of an organization you have, your profit and loss, your direct costs had best mirror whatever those divisions are, right? So if I have an HVAC service and maintenance that are lumped together because they're not big enough by themselves to make the juice work to squeeze the track separately, mm-hmm. and I have HVAC install, then when I get down to cost of goods sold for materials, for labor, for permits, for financing, for all those things, they got to be split out the same way. It's got to be HVAC service and maintenance, materials, equipment, labor, financing, you know, all the things that go under the direct costs. Yeah. For each division. And if it's not done, then I'm probably going to make you do it. Um, so that's that's another piece. And then the other side of it is seasonality, right? Like whether you like it or not, you have to know what your seasonality curve is. You have to know what percentage of your calls and what percentage of your revenue comes in which months. Because here's what I'll tell, I will promise you. The seasonality between number of calls and the seasonality between amount of revenue are not the same. Yeah. You're going to find that a large majority of calls come at a certain time or a super small majority of calls come at a certain time, but the revenue seasonality isn't going to line up. Yeah. And the reason is you're going to have those hangover months where basically we suck at what we're doing because we got lazy because of the busy season. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. does November ring a bell for anybody? <laughs> yeah. November's tough. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I run a digital marketing agency, um, so I will say because we work, you know, we roll up our sleeves and get in the weeds with Service Titan and Sarah and House Call Pro. Sometimes I'm a little envious of how strong these CRMs are in compared to the type of stuff that we get. Like, and eh, we can use HubSpot. That's that's eh, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. For me, like doing that same exercise is a spreadsheet. That's just like January, February, March, and then this is like 2020, 2021, 2022, and it's just manually done. And sometimes I log in service Titan and it's right there for you or house call pro, whatever you can, it's, it's a, it's a bar graph and you can see it go up and you can see it go back down and you can say, Hmm, this is a pretty decent indicator of when I should be planning what it's right there for you. And, um, TJ, can you hear me? I can now. I lost you for a minute there. Oh, <laughs> so <laughs> sound disappeared. It can be a uh, it can be a good indicator of of that stuff. Just the tools are right there at your your you know disposal. Just put it to work for you and and just take a look at it. And the last time I'd done this exercise for myself, I even just was like, all right, let's go look at it month by month and see when we got more calls, when we got more you know requests for 
uh, a consultation. And I noticed on there that October was historically our highest volume month for consultations. And that morning I did that. It was like October 2nd or 3rd, like the first day of the month, uh, first work day of the month. And I was like, hmm, I was like, October historically has been huge and it's October now. That morning I got booked for like four consultations and I was like, wow, I wish I had done that sooner because I could have planned my marketing. I could have planned this stuff ahead of time. So, yep. So let me ask a question. There's this little present button down here. If I click on that, will it let me share my screen for a second? Yeah. Yeah. You click it and it'll say uh, share screen. Okay. Share screen. Share. So I'm going to drop this down out of the way. Can y'all see this? I can't see anything. So it's not sharing my screen. Mm -mm. Stop sharing. Let me come back. Let's try this a second time. Present. Share screen. Mm. Share screen. Window. This window. Share. How about now? There we go. All right. So this is the budget tool, right? This is, this is what I have built for clients, but I just kind of want to walk through like wow. it's start. And, it, and if you look down here, it's departmentalized. There's a roll up, right? What you can't see behind this little share thing is that there's a thing back here that says marketing plan. There's a thing that says truck plan. And then there's these KPI reference sheets, but it's how many times is the phone going to ring and how well are we going to answer it? That tells us how many calls we have booked. Are we going to have a cancellation rate? Like some companies have cancellation rate as an issue because they're booked too far out. Some companies don't. So it's in there. If you don't need it, then just don't use it, right? Yeah. How many calls are we going to run? How well are we going to close the calls we run? And what's our average sale going to be? And that'll get us to our revenue. But then you come down here and we've got, you know, all of our indirect costs, right? So materials, equipment, subcontractors, permits, financing fees. Field labor, field commissions. It gives us our gross margin. Mm. We look at marketing and advertising, vehicles, facility, administrative employee for indirect expenses. Tells us what our net is. And then, Eric, here's where we put it on steroids. How many calls do we want this person to run in a day? How many working days are in this specific month? And how many people are on my team? It tells me how many more people I need. And when you go to recruit, it looks two months ahead for how many people I need to tell me how many people I got to start recruiting? Because if I need them in two months, I got to recruit them now. Yeah. Hire them by the following month to get them trained so that in the month that I need them, they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So there is no more surprise. I need three more people for June. I saw that stuff in January. Yeah. Right? How many CSRs do I need? It's here. And then here's, here's where you really empower everybody on your team. Departmentally, revenue needed for the team, revenue needed per team member, Revenue needed per team member per call based on your budget. Wow. Nobody can say they don't know what they need to do in order to help you win. Yeah. It, it can't happen, right? So when we talk about budgeting, like it is a different thing. And, and here's the other thing. Like I don't have 37 tabs. I just, it's one tab per department. Mm -hmm. Are there other budgeting tools out there that I think are phenomenal? Yeah. The problem is the one that I've seen that I like the best is 17 tabs. Who the hell is going to fill that out? No one. 
right? Halfway and through. so the great part for this is you've got the budget column, then you've got your actual column. So once a week, somebody departmentally is going to be responsible for going in there and putting where are we against what we said we were going to do. Yeah. Now I don't have to wait until 10 days after the month is over or 15 days after the month is over to know whether I won or lost. I know whether I'm going to win or lose as I'm in the month. Yeah. I don't have any question about that situation. Yeah. Right. Then we amplify it even just a little bit more because now next year when I go to build my budget, guess what? All I got to do is look at that actual column and say, what are we going to do better? What are we going to change, adjust, do better? And then I tweak those numbers and I slide them over to the budget column and next year's budget's done. Yeah. Now that, that's incredible. And I think a lot of contractors could benefit from, if nothing else, at least coming up with a plan, a budget yep. and a plan. Um, so what is, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of contractors listening right now have probably, you're probably thinking, okay, we get it. We need a plan. What's like, let's talk about as like a success story of planning. If they, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's like, okay, we need a plan, but we don't actually, la, 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 don't want to do it. Um, let's, let's put the proof in the pudding. Let's talk about some success that you've seen with your contractors that plan. Man, I mean, I sh- so obviously Jason, right, was a huge success. Um, best year revenue, best year profit. Um, immediately the year off of, building the first legitimate budget that they'd ever built. Um, Another one would be um, Brian Christensen out in Orange County, California. Um, We worked through a bunch of planning together, a bunch of system and process creation together. And when we started on that, like it wasn't the greatest picture in the world, right? We spent about a year together really getting some stuff done. And in the course of, you know, the end of that year position the company to be able to take advantage of, of a buyout from a PE company. Mm. And he was able to sell his company for a dramatic amount more than what he ever would have been able to. Um, you know, the other side of planning is, is this, um, I'll use, uh, Joe Castro out in California as well as an example. I mean, he's plumbing only, right? So he's not HVAC, he's plumbing only. Um, and there's certain things in plumbing that he doesn't do. But when Joe and I started working together like three and a half years ago or so, um, he was working out of his house. He'd been in business for 15, 20 years. One truck, him and his son rode together in the truck and di- just didn't know how to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Now we fast forward to today. Joe's not an active client now. He's just a friend. We talk to each other probably once a week, just checking in, just building that friendship. And he does go a month, a month here where he'll come back in because he needs some assistance and we'll spend some time together. But he graduated because there was a transfer of skill set. Today, three and a half years later, after being in business for 20 years, he's got six employees. He's got an office. He's got multiple trucks. He's got a CSR. Like, 20 years, dude in a truck, three years, enterprise. So that's the power of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the power of having a coach. And I'm not saying me, I'm saying a coach. <laughs> yeah. Talk to a few, find who you align with, find who 
shares your core values and the things that you believe, stop paying attention to who everybody on social media says you ought to go talk to. Jesus, God, come on. Right? Like, if they've never operated or never run a business, why are you going to ask them to tell you how to run your business? Yeah. I have no issue with people that are sales trainers being sales trainers. If you're great at sales, knock yourself out, but stay in your freaking lane. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's kind of the other piece. And I know like I, I get beat up on a lot for that one. Like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, no, because you haven't been the one staying awake at night, not knowing how you're going to make payroll. Mm-hmm. You, you, you haven't had to deal with knowing that to do the right thing for Mrs. Jones, you're about to make sure you're, you're about to spend money that makes it that you're not going to get a paycheck that week. Mm-hmm. Until you've made those decisions, it's really hard to talk to other people about how to make those decisions. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's good stuff. I think um, it's the, it's the same, you know, in coaching, it's the same in the marketing space. It's the same in all these spaces, really you get, I mean, I, 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 hammer on this a lot on social media you get these people who because like with marketing okay if you want a contracting business you got to have a license you have to be a licensed contractor i mean i guess you don't have to be but you're gonna get in trouble you have to there's certain things you have to do you have to have all this stuff if you want to run a marketing company you just got to go put on the internet hey i run a marketing company there's no (laughs) prerequisites there's no certifications there's no licensing so you could go watch a neil patel video on youtube and turn around and start ripping people off and people gladly sign up for it and so it's um i I think for me for anything that you sign up for if it's a coach or a sales trainer or a marketing firm weigh your options and you know really try to make sure you're making an informed decision making sure that's the right fit for you what's right for you might not be right for the next person so no no 100 so i mean and look and like the thing is like i get asked a lot like the success story thing i'm just to be honest i suck at tooting my own horn mm-hmm. i would rather other people be celebrated lifted up because here's the thing as a coach too i can't take credit for their success they did the work yeah all all i did was bring perspective was bring a different way of looking at things and maybe some tools that they didn't have access to, but I can bring that to a hundred people and only five might actually do something with it. If I'm going to take credit for those five, I better take credit for the 95 that still suck. Yeah. So I, I, I I stink Eric. I I admit it (laughs) at the, like, like tell us people that you've like transformed. Because the answer is none. Yeah. All all's I've really done is given people an environment and skills and abilities with which that they could choose to do something with to transform and become a success story, right? So like Stephanie and David, for example, nothing that I'm doing here these last three days is going to transform their business. Yeah. The decisions that they're making because of what we're doing and the amount of empowerment that they've felt in the last 24 hours now knowing numbers, that's what's going to change their business. Yep. I didn't do that. 
right? I can't take credit for that. When they when they go and they and they hit these numbers where they market and they get 300 calls that they need, where they go out and they run those calls and they convert those calls at 75% and they do it at a, you know, certain average sale. I, I didn't do that. Yeah. I just made them aware of that. That's what they needed to do to get where they want to go. Yep. So that's another thing when it comes to coaching. Like I don't like it when folks take credit for other people's successes. Yeah. Because there's way more people that fail that get coached than there are that succeed to get coached. Cause at the end of the day, the person still has to do this stuff. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of our listeners are passionate about football and it's just like football. When the team wins, all the interviews you see post game are of the quarterback and the running back and the wide receiver and the star players. When they lose, you often see the coach doing the talking and you, you'll see players, you know, talking as well, but they highlight, like you mentioned, it, it's, the coach draws up the play and says, Hey, this is what we should do. This is what you guys should do. It looks like they're, you know, positioned in a certain way, run this mm -hmm. play. It's still up to the, the offensive lineman to block. It's still up to the quarterback to read the field. It's still up for the wide receivers to get available. The coach isn't doing any of that. He just said, Hey, I think we should run this fly route. And uh, they did it. And they're the ones that are run, you know, reading it real time and making it happen. Yep. So absolutely. So you, we can teach you to budget. We can give you a budget tool, but if, if we build it and you leave and you don't look at it the rest of the year, what good is it? Yeah. If, if you're not going in once a week or, or, or twice a month or whatever might be, like, you have to go back in and utilize the tool, right? If we give you a dispatch closeout form or an invoice review form or a HVAC inspection form or fill in the blank, we can give you all those things. Mm -hmm. But if you don't utilize it in the way that it's intended to be utilized, you can't then turn around and be like, hey, coach, stuff doesn't work. Yep. Well, TJ, this has been, like I mentioned at the beginning, a gut punch. Um, so I hope our listeners out there feel, honestly, I, I hope you guys feel a little bit convicted to, if you haven't already planned, to maybe think about it. Um, and, you know, I, I fully recommend TJ. I think he's a great guy and has your best interests at heart. So, uh, so TJ, if our listeners out there were you know curious about learning more, maybe exploring what you have to offer, how could they get a hold of you? Uh, so they can go to the website, which is flywheelc, as in Charles, g as in George.com. So flywheelcg, actually stands for coaching group, uh, .com. They can go to Facebook, which is Flywheel for Home Services, Creating Momentum. It's a private page. They can request to join that. Um, they can shoot me a Facebook message. They can shoot me a text, 215-272-9036. Do me a favor, though. Shoot me a text. Don't call me. Because <laughs> if you call, I'm not answering the phone. Yeah. Um, and the reason being is, Eric, I'm usually, if I'm not doing something like this with someone like yourself, I'm with clients. And so yeah. I can respond to a text pretty easily. I can't answer the phone when I'm in the midst of doing stuff. So um, everybody that knows me knows not to call me. They know to text me. Um, I know. And, and, and look me up wherever you want to look me up, but uh, happy to help whoever we can help, you know, no strings attached. It's not one of those things where it's like, Hey, unless you sign up, I'm not going to help you with anything. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's, uh, it's what we do. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. Well, TJ, thank you so much for joining me uh, on the show today. Eric, thanks so much for having me. And I wish you guys a, a, a super happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. Um, 
And, uh, and brother, I, I appreciate you and need to make sure that I continue uh, making sure some folks come say hi to you too. So thank you. Appreciate it. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, powered by Rival Digital, helping business owners and industry professionals across the country stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. We hope you learned something from this week's episode. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast.